Good morning. I am so excited to have you on today's uh, episode of the Big Hearted Podcast. I've just recorded a beautiful um, recording, obviously, being a podcast, with Katrina Keegan from Bella Vintage Resources. So I met Katrina online. She followed us on Big Hearted Education and I had a deeper look at what she was doing because I was intrigued by the name of her business. And I discovered that she provides secondhand pre-loved resources uh, that she sources locally and then sells to services. And she puts together little uh, beautiful uh, packages like story, vintage story boxes in a vintage book, uh, suitcase and whatnot. And it was just so great to talk to another educator um, about how we can use loose parts and the importance of loose parts. But she actually gives really practical ideas on how to do that. Now, Katrina comes from a background of 32 years teaching, 26 of those were spent in long daycare. And the last stick to teaching um, early childhood education at TAFE. She's a passionate um, now, she is now just as passionate about child children's development, education and play as she was when she first started. She's now teamed that passion up with a few of her other favourite things, which is sustainability and vintage items, and that's where Bella Vintage Resources was born. She collects repurposed authentic resources and goes to services and hosts, hosts pop-up shops with her van, Daisy. The philosophy of Bella Vintage Resources is the I love the wonder of the story behind an item. Who was the person who loved this before us? Has this item travelled near or far? Was a gift full of love or heartfelt thanks? Engaging the children in the stories of these repurposed items will encourage them to connect with the resource. This will bring shared respect and broaden their understanding of the world they live in. So we touched on so many different aspects and I was actually quite surprised at how far we went in this conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to pop you straight over to that recording. Here is the gorgeous Katrina Keegan. We'll see you soon. Hello, hello and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Good morning and thank you so much for joining us today on the Big Hearted Podcast. Today we have Katrina Keegan all the way from Bella Vintage Resources. As you would have heard in our introduction, she sources the most incredible, beautiful vintage style uh, resources, tools and equipment from op shops and various places around the coast. So I really wanted to jump in and talk to Katrina today all about the value of loose parts and um, sustainable sourcing of resources and whatnot. So thank you so much for coming on board with us today, Katrina. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Victoria. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm really looking forward to being here today. So thank you. That's all right. So how did you get started on this pathway of ethically and sustainably sourcing resources? Um, I think after working in early childhood for such a long time, so I've been um, in the industry for like 32 years, 26 years of that was working along daycare. And I guess just seeing the shift from when we first started using a lot of recycled um, materials and then, you know, bringing in a lot of that plastic and then sort of transferring um, back to the wooden things. But, yeah. you know, so it's just seeing that journey. Um, so I'm just 
was really passionate about trying to bring back those authentic resources to services and giving children those, you know, really delicate, beautiful resources rather than just, you know, all of the standard little wooden things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you came and um, did a day with us, a pop-up shop uh, on the weekend at our seasonal planning day or gathering day with Rainbow Bridge. And it was so lovely to see the doilies and the proper teacups and saucers, little teapots, all the wooden um, little bowls and plates and things like that as well. And you're you're right. It is. We have gone from that's what was in every kindy. That's what I remember being in my kindy when I went to kindy in Tugan many, oh, wow. many moons ago. Um, that's what I remember being in, you know, in there. The little is it anodized? Is that the word? Anodized yeah. teapots and yeah. saucers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we did, we switched to this plastic fantastic, which was all these garish, bright colours and yes could be lethal when that stuff gets broken because it can pinch skin really badly yeah. um, to now swinging back to oh. this real loose parts movement. So how do you see educators can really source themselves um, or, or open their mind to the different possibilities with these resources? I think if you really look um, into why, like, so I have started doing some workshops. So going to services and doing workshops about the how and why of repurposed and authentic resources, because as much as they look beautiful, some educators will come out and look at that and think, oh, what do I do with that? Or how do I bring that into the children's day um, and things like that? So I see uh, I see a opening that we do need to be teaching educators about how to introduce it because obviously when we've got breakable items when you've got large groups of children that can be a little bit overwhelming so well, there is a way that we can do that but um, I just think if we look at the reasons why and the purpose for the children what they get out of it I think that's enough to inspire us to think wow you know, all of those things in our early years learning framework about um, care and empathy that we want them to have towards other children, if we have that towards the resources, that's a really good place to start and then that can evolve into how to care for people. Yes, I'm so glad that you weaved that in there because when running my service, I had very few plastic. I had um, Duplo. Uh, mm -hmm. which I will advocate for because Duplo is amazing and it's a loose part. It's so, you know, able to be creatively used. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that was probably almost the only plastic I had. Everything mm -hmm. else was handmade with felt or timber um, or, you know, sourced from the op shop, I, the, the little goblets, the wine yes. goblets yes. that the children, you know, they were only little um, double shot glass size actually <laughs> I might have tested that <laughs> um, but but the children and I used to and the wooden bowls and mm. platters and things like that the children and I used to uh, polish them uh, the, mm. the 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 stainless steel no are they stainless steel the goblets and things like that silver what it yeah, silver. So yep. we we would polish those. That became part of our mm. program. It became part of our rhythm. And it did teach the children how to look after things. And it taught them skills too that were transferable into real mm. life. Uh, we all have wooden furniture now and lots of us still have silver, not that any of us polish it, but they're definitely, it allows a slowing down within your program. Yes. Yeah, I'll say that polishing of it's kind of like a meditative sort of calming sort of activity for them to yeah. do. Yeah, so it's, you know, if someone's having a bad day or having a little bit of a moment, you know, just going over and polishing some silver is a really relaxing sort of calming thing for them to do. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So not seeing it as something else, but seeing it as part of the everyday, I think is, um, you know, is really important with the authentic um, resources and those loose parts and things like that and trying yeah, to definitely that the recycling and the repurposing of the items like you know I am on a lot of Facebook groups where I look at a lot of ideas on activities and things to use with children around loose parts but I don't think we need to go out and buy 
a lot of things to add to the loose parts. I think we'll be surprised how much stuff we actually already have and just the way that we lay it out and how we present it is probably important as well. So how how would you present some of the items that you had um that you have for sale how how would you set those up because I know some educators will be like oh home corner it's just all going to go in home corner but there's different ways and and means to be able to repurpose this um these items how 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 have you seen like what's some of the most creative ways I think we can use them um in all areas so in the paint in the arts you know with play-doh you know, I, I use recycled CDs as their little platter to put it on and then the wooden platters in the middle with all the bits and pieces in it and, um, you know, even the wine glasses and stuff and they can put things in and, you know, there's just, you can use it in every area. It's really yeah. only limited by your creativity and your imagination. And yeah. the other thing is we don't need to know what we're going to do with it. That's the child, that's the children's job. That's yes. their play, not our play. So we just need to provide it and they will find the way to use it. Yeah, it it makes me laugh quite frequently because I'll see these educators do these small world setups and hmm. not laugh that well, it is kind of laughing, but it's not laughing at that educator. It's laughing at the idea behind it. And they they go to all this effort to set up these small world plays and and hmm. the tough trays and they have all these things. And then the children don't play with it how they expected them to yes. play with it. And you can see them getting frustrated and it's kind of like, no, that's so good because you've put an idea there or yeah. a provocation and then the children have taken that and mm. seen it completely differently. Yeah. And that's what you want to happen. You, Absolutely. I say it time and again in the essential elements, the children's ideas are always far better than anything we can come up with absolutely and I think it's the only reason we feel like that is because we already have a plan like if you're doing observations on a child and you need to be focusing on a specific outcome so we set it up with that outcome in mind but then when they go somewhere else it's like oh that doesn't meet my requirement for my observation but what what has it shown you yeah like showing you so much more about the child and their thoughts and what they know and that's what I teach my um, I teach at TAFE as well. So I teach my students that when you set up an activity and the children don't do what you had planned, that's not a fail. That's a win. And what is it they're showing you and what can you now scaffold on top of that for them? So yeah. how can you continue building on the child's ideas rather than our own ideas? Yeah, amazing. And and this is the value of intentional teaching because just because you planned to do that doesn't yeah. mean you have to do it. In fact, what it is is that that's a baseline. That's a baseline and then the children have added on their own ideas and thoughts and concepts hmm. on top of that. So it's a matter of, you know, if your observation, you were trying to observe uh, something around um, technology, now this will blow a whole heap of people's minds. Technology is not necessarily just screens and mm-hmm. apps and all that sort of stuff. A pencil, and for mm-hmm. those listening at home, I'm holding a pencil, <laughs> um, is technology because yeah. that was a technological difference that made such a change to the world. We don't see that now because we've come yeah. so far beyond that. But technology is the children creating a ramp and pushing things down the ramp or having a um, a pulley system. You know, pulleys mm-hmm. are great to have in the early childhood area because you can put the ropes in and the children transport things from one place to another. That's technology. So it's about us as well being a bit more fluid and flexible in yes. our thinking and thought processes about how we actually document and what we are documenting and I think that's going a lot deeper into your early years learning framework as well with your belonging being becoming because people see that word technology for outcome four and just assume straight away it's computers it's iPads it's things like that I'm really passionate about actually not giving children technology and services or family daycare because I think they have so much of it now in their everyday life it's not really special or important anymore yeah. I think that we're better off giving them things around creativity and imagination and yeah. 
that's where the loose parts comes into that. Yeah. It's nothing, it's no predetermined outcome and there's no, there's no end product. We're not, this is what it needs to look like. We're saying, here are all of the things, show us what you know, show us what you're capable of, show us, you know, your thinking, your creativity, your imagination, your problem solving skills, your critical thinking, show us everything you've got because there is no outcome. You can do whatever you like. Yeah, and it's it's so good to see the swing back to that now, like the smart boards in early childhood settings and all that sort of stuff. It's, oh, it just, it breaks my heart. I just think the young child has so much time to learn that stuff. And the early years is such a pivotal moment where they get to, you know, really look at problems and really cement their problem-solving skills into their psyche, so to speak. Um, Yeah, and and being able to think outside the box. And I read something, um, a brief quote, I think it was Mark Armitage the other day, who was talking about, um, I could be wrong, it might be somebody else, but um, he was talking about how children learn to negotiate on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. but we take that as arguing and Mm -hmm. we need to stop it put a dampener on it and I see this across the board with children's play too an educator will try and scaffold the learning Mm -hmm. by jumping in and giving the other giving the children resources I can see what you're doing you're going to need a bucket now you know where they may not at all and taking the time to just you know you could put things in their zone of um, Mm -hmm. uh, observation and know that they know that it's there and if they want it, they can use it. I think um, that's why it's important to have loose parts in your room everywhere and in spaces where it's always available and having the same things for a long period of time because when they're playing, it's like, oh, we need this. I know where that is. I know what we've got that we could use in this room. But if we're always changing the room, always yeah. changing the parts, they're like, oh, we need this, but I don't know where even where to start or where we would find that. So yeah. where I know in the olden days we moved the rooms around all the time and I think it was more we just didn't really understand it and we did it because we were bored or we think yeah. that the whole room needed changing and we would. We'd change the whole room, you know, often. But yeah. now that I know so much more and have learned so much more of the years have gone on, I see the um, importance of, leaving things as they are only moving the parts that the room parts of the room that aren't working will need to be made bigger from our you know which has come from our reflective practice yeah and having that consistency because children really love that they could just go to one area in that room and know exactly where that thing is and what they're going to use it for 100 percent. i use the analogy in the essential elements i can't even remember what topic we're talking about uh, might have been calm spaces and because I advocate for that as well don't move your room around like mm-hmm. my room stayed the same for four years that I did family daycare mm. um, the resources would change every season and it wasn't all the resources it was just two particular areas where new resources came mm. in I had a bookshelf and and every season everything on that bookshelf would change but home corner stayed the same uh, where everything was stayed the same mm. and I, I I did that specifically for a purpose um, for several reasons uh, one is because children feel safe and content and secure mm. uh, two I know when I went into Coles and they changed things around overnight, I had no idea where anything was. I literally could feel my anxiety going up. Mm -hmm. It took me twice as long to do my groceries for the next couple of weeks because I had to catalogue where everything is. And and it was so frustrating and annoying. And they've done it again just recently. And I was like, (laughs) oh. (laughs) Because I understand and that is an analogy that I have used with my students before as well about only moving the bits that it's important to move. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. like you said, like I've had years where um, working in a room where our block area has been twice the size of what it would normally be with so much things in it because that's what they were really just, you know, love to build on 
And yeah. if you leave the same things there, every time they come into those blocks and you've changed it, they start building from the from the bottom again. Yeah. Whereas if they're the same items over and over, they come in and they go, right, I know how to make the base of this garage. I use all of these things. And then they'll start getting bigger and bigger and bigger and adding more to it. Yeah. And, and that's that. We start from scratch all the time because we keep changing everything on them and they're so confused. Yeah. Well, that's that real analytical process, particularly yeah. in this, this is, oh, I get confused about this gender stuff now and how to raise it without, you know, I'm not trying to be offensive or I'm not trying to be gender specific, but majority of the analytical thinking in terms of building I've observed in, in boys. Um, and that's, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I don't know how to tread in this gender place. Yeah. It's somewhere for me to um, look at further because I don't have enough information around mm. that. Um so just to be clear, I'm not trying to be offensive or, you know, whatever, but I just, yeah, I don't understand all of that yet. So, but what I have observed in the over 10 years that I've worked with early childhood, that analytical thinking in terms of building and construction is so strong and firm in the boys. Mm. So the the way they process change too, as mm. a generalisation, is it can really disrupt, as you say, the flow yeah. of their play yeah. and their learning. And it's frustrating. It's super frustrating. And then they disengage with it. And then when they disengage with it, they've got to try and find something else. And this is yeah. where we see these behaviours mm. start to escalate. Uh, so I think there's a real benefit in educators realising that A, less is more like seriously less is more because what they do then is it forces children to become more creative with the things that we have. That's now, right. if, if you're an educator that has a lot of resources and that you have a lot of resources that are not very open-ended, they're single purpose use only, it is going to take you time to teach the children how to play like this and mm. to step backwards and out of their play so much and not be involved. Mm. Um, that's when you see the biggest leaps in the children's development Absolutely. and their engagement. And I think what you were saying before, like how to do the loose parts, I think giving it um, giving it time. If yep. the children haven't had loose parts before and then you've put them there, they're going over to that area looking at the guide on what I need to do with this. They're looking for your picture of what this needs to look like because they don't actually know what to do with it. Yeah. So yeah. people might say, I've tried loose parts, didn't work. But yeah. you need to have it there consistently. And yeah. they will, might not do too much with it to start with. But as they start coming together and more of them are getting involved in it and they're learning from each other going, hey, I can put this on here. Hey, look, this balance is on the top. And they start, you know, using it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you've got to give them time to yeah. learn how to use loose parts. You've got to remember we're giving them lots of toys that they can look at it and know what its purpose is. All of a yeah. sudden we've given them all these things and they're like, what do I do with these? Yeah. it's. I remember it's like, when, sorry. when we introduced loose parts outside at my service when I used to work there, um, they weren't really doing much with it and everyone was like, oh, well, that was a waste of time, like, you know, all of that effort and collecting all of the things. And then, you know, they would, someone would go in and just do a little bit with it. By the end of the year, what they were creating with these loose parts was amazing. But yeah. we didn't take it away. We were, we, you know, we patient and we left it there and it didn't get used quite a lot, quite a long time and then got used a little bit and, you know, we're a little bit disheartened that this is not working but, oh, you know, we just left it there and, you know, by the end of the year their creations were absolutely amazing and the yeah. stories and the, the collaborative work they were doing together was just awesome. Yeah. So quite often what I would do when I introduced new loose part into my program was I would include it in a story. I used to tell mm -hmm. oral stories. And I would include it as a prop. And sometimes it would be like a, a crystal rock that mm. was a troll in yes. the story. 
um, you know, and it just it sparks the children's yes. uh, imagination is into different ways that they could utilize these resources and, you know, doing it in stories. And then another time that same rock could become a pile of straw. Yeah, and it just teaches the children to be able to use things in a different perspective in a different manner. And I, I had the Grimm's uh, rainbow, the beautiful pastel rainbow, and I observed and I noticed that it was, and this is a critical reflection, people, um, I observed and I noticed that it was just kind of sat there or the children would only use it as a bridge. So I jumped onto Pinterest and I had a look and there is a billion different ways you could use these, um, the, the, the Grimm's rainbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, this is where I will share technology with children. We, I found a whole heap of them and I printed the pictures out and I had them just sat next to the rainbow one day and I made um, something different with the children and then it went on to the children finding the pictures and they asked if we could make a bike and we actually made a bike out of a Grimm's rainbow that the children all had a turn at sitting on and of course it fell over so then what did we have to do? had to rebuild it so everybody else had the chance so by the end of it by the end of that day that that thing for I don't know two solid months was out every day and the children were then coming up with all these other ideas and the older ones were looking at the pictures and trying to um, create recreate these pictures and ideas but then they got pushed to the side and they were making their own things Um, so sometimes a little nudge in that direction is what's required but not overly too much and I think because we've given children so many um um, toys that just have purpose and they can pick it up and know what to do with it they haven't really opened up their creativity or imagination enough um and the technology is probably having an impact on that as well um and I don't have I don't mind using technology in like it has a purpose but I don't like children just like sitting on iPads or using them for story time and singing and stuff I think you know, they get a lot more out of us doing the singing and us doing the storytelling because they can see our facial expressions and our tones in our voices and stuff. Most definitely. Yeah, and big groups of children staring at an iPad listening to a story is just not enough. Yeah, the the whole technology thing, and and you touched on it before, and I, I really appreciate that you touched on it because... Children are, and it's just the way it is. I'm so thankful that I raised my children who are 21 and 19 now before technology because it would have been so difficult to not stick an iPad or a phone in their faces because I need to get something done and it's going to keep you quiet and entertained. But what actually happens when they use that technology is that they don't flex that muscle of creativity. I know for myself, I struggle to read a book now because I am constantly on my phone, the image is changing, everything's looking really different and my attention span is far shorter than what it ever used to be. I also listen to audiobooks because I do a significant amount of driving and it's the same thing. Mm. So uh, children really need that time and that space and the ability and the chance to flex that imaginative muscle. Yes. Like it's huge. Yeah, I, and I think like what you're saying, if we notice the change in ourselves around technology, so what changes are we having on children's development with the amount of technology that we are giving them? Um, you know, and that's something that's come up a lot when I've gone to services to do pop-up shops, like you saw on the weekend. When I do my pop-up shops, I always do a little setup of what how to use the resources. So I had the little vintage um, suitcase for a suitcase story and yeah. the old um, wooden drawer with the sand in there with the little stainless steel um, bits and pieces to do like a bit of mix and mess. Um, and some services have said to me, oh, do you teach the parents about play? And they were starting to think that there's an opening for me to try and do these little play sessions and stuff to show parents how to play with their children, which to me is alarming that we're teaching parents how to play. But when you think about it, 
it's just all about technology and you'll hear parents say oh but they only use educational um things on the on the ipad but it's like it's kind of not really yeah um, no no you can't so, you can't replace a human you really absolutely can't. not or children touching things and moving because that's what they're made to do yeah a hundred percent it's yeah, it's really interesting. We t- I talk about this um, in in the essential elements, and when we look at a screen, the way the screens are designed, there are a million little pixels that all fly down the. I don't even know how it works now, but it used to all come through the cable and yep. create this picture. So your brain doesn't differentiate and see it as one solid picture. Your brain is actually putting each of the pictures together to make the picture. That is a huge amount of work. It is an enormous amount of work. Um, And when children are exposed and overexposed to too much digital TV or computers or iPads or whatever, um, those same images too have to be processed by them. So gone are the days when children were, you know, born in the hospital or at home, wherever, and then they spent the next little while at home with only close members of family Mm. coming in. I've seen newborn babies that are a day or two old at the supermarket. The amount of noise, Mm. the amount of visual imagery that they are taking in, the amount of energy that they are feeling at that supermarket and trying to process. Mm. I mean, the top of their head has not even closed up yet. They are so open. They are bombarded with noise visual noise and and energy noise and when I'm talking energy I'm talking like when you walk into a room and you can feel that stuff just went down here there's two people there yes not talking to each other but you know something just happened it's that energy that I'm talking about mm. we all feel that and we all pick it up so children are overly burdened with this type of stuff that they have to process somehow so what I love about the vintage resources and the, or just the resources is these are often a better quality um, that are made and they're made a long time ago. And the feeling that children have when they pick them up, they feel nice. It feels like there's a life force to a timber bowl as opposed to mm. a hard plastic thing. You know, And that's tim- like, um, you know, that is the philosophy of Bella Vintage Resources was um, it's the story of the items. What is the life they've lived before us? And I just love getting like a wooden bowl or something and um, somebody has their name written on the bottom. So that's obviously something they've taken to parties or um, dinner parties or gatherings with family and friends and their little name is on the bottom because that's their bowl to take home. And I just, I just love that. And yeah. the teapots that, you know, they look a bit um, scrappy because they've got like tea stains in it. But I just can't even imagine how many times that teapot has sat on the table and has, you know, made a cup of tea to comfort a family or to celebrate something or just to be their afternoon tea or their morning um, cup of tea every morning. Like it's that yeah. love and those stories and the life that that resource had that I just love seeing it go to the children in services because it's just I don't know it just makes me just feel really like excited and happy and that's a you know. really beautiful beautiful thing to bring into what you're doing like I hadn't even sort of considered that aspect and I think that's really lovely because yeah it is those stories and things don't get passed down anymore in our race hmm. to be minimalist in everything in every way um you know, we don't take, we don't have photos that we look at anymore. They're all digitally, digitally kept, Um, you know, and, and those, those moments, they carry an energy with them. They carry a a thought in them. And that if we are still long enough, we could actually pick that up and run with that too. Like I went to a garage sale of some friends on the weekend because they had some things and I um, went there and she's like, oh, what what junk do you want? And I just felt so heartbroken that these elderly people, which were their parents, 
um, had all this stuff just laid out on their front lawn and just calling it junk. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, this, oh, my gosh, that. And I just got so many beautiful things because I'm like, and she's like, I will enjoy it. And I said, oh, you know, this is going to get me so loved by so many children and used for, you know, so many times because it's going to go to children's services where they can, um, you know, engage with these. So it makes yeah. me feel like I'm doing something to connect children to community and to connect them to others and, um, you know, keeping that item alive for that person that no longer can have it but has had it for probably a really long time. Yeah, well, one of the most prized resources within my service uh, was the tea sets, the teacups that I'd gotten from my my mum gave them to me, but they had been my nan's prior to my mum. And um, they were beautiful cups and saucers, old, very old school bone china, thin, you know, mm-hmm. beautiful. And the reverence with which the children used those resources and items was special you know Mm -hmm. we had a two-year-old or she might have even been less than two would sit so perfectly still on the chair Mm -hmm. and be so very careful when she would pick up her teacup because we would go out into the garden and pick the flowers we had a really beautiful um, garden with many different edible flowers in there and we would make tea the lemon blossom tea was my favorite and um, lemon blossom and lemon balm the children would all pick it and uh, sometimes fennel even ended up in our tea. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we would sit there and have, I had this glass teapot so the children could see it all diffusing and the Mm. colour changing and all that sort of thing. And then we would share and we would have made a beautiful morning tea and everything was laid out. I found beautiful doilies that were Mm -hmm. all hand embroidered, you know, and they go so cheaply. And I just think, oh, my goodness, that that lady that sat there all those years ago making them, um you know I, I was so happy I still have them I never gave gave those away because I just think they make such a beautiful beautiful um table setting and uh yeah they they would sit there and and really the conversations that we had mm. over those cups of tea and things like that it was a real moment in time where yeah, things beautiful. would slow right down and we would be really present with each other and that is community to me absolutely you know, and that's like you're saying, that's that's in, that's it in a nutshell of why I created the Bella Vintage Resources and for the simple fact that, you know, our early years learning framework supports that connection to community, supports sustainable practices, the use of materials or resources that um, spark imagination and creativity. And, um, you know, we just, when that came out and using natural resources, services just got all of the plastic threw it all away and then just ordered all of these wooden things from overseas full of packaging um it's just got no stories it all matches perfectly in the room but it just doesn't come with any heart or soul yeah. you know and that's kind of another thing that really spurred this on is that when I because I already have a um you know I really love vintage things so I used to do a little bit quite a bit of op shopping and I just would leave so many beautiful things there that would just be so special in services that I just started buying it and using it for setups for my students just so they could have that experience. And then it just progressed from there. So, you know, it's really, it brings just in so many parts of early childhood, like our framework, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. I really appreciate that that connection to community that you raised because I know there's a whole lot of educators in family daycare who don't know how to bring community in. They may not be able to do excursions and they may be feeling a little bit remote and disconnected and how do I show that community and that is the perfect way to do it. Go garage sailing meet the people that are selling this stuff and hopefully it's the old people who oh yeah we bought this over from England when we might yeah I love those stories yeah that's community and that's how you you can share those stories with your children um that's a really innovative way or Mm. out of the box way to meet the 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 need to bring community into your service I think that's a great idea yeah and that's what I was talking about before delving really into your framework about when it says connection to community, really go into that. What could this look like? And it can look yeah. very different from one educator to the next. Yeah. From one service to the next, it's very different. Like when I go yeah. out to the services and do my pop-up shops, 
some of the services bring the children out. So the children are connecting with me and I always have things set up so they can engage with that. And, you know, um, a service I went to recently, a, a child came out with one of the educators and she said, is there anything that you would like here? And he kind of scanned over and said, no, like there was no toys. So he was thinking, no, nothing here I like. Then he started having a little, um, you know, little scrounge around in the loose parts trunks that I have in my van. And, you know, he was like, oh, and he was by the end of it, he had this little wooden thing and he was making music with it. And, you know, he was selecting all of these amazing things for them to take down into their room, um, yeah. you know, but just by letting him have that time to go into the van and explore all of the resources, he, yeah. he really, um, by the end, he was doing amazing. Yeah. Just oh, it's so good. amount of time. And and that that's the thing too, isn't it? You know, quite often children are so used to hearing no straight away that that's a learned response too and giving them the time and the opportunity to actually actually know you need to stay here for a bit and just have a look around it would have been Uh, quite easy for the educator just to walk off with him but she was looking so he kind of could stand there and just look or he would get in there and I said you can climb in the van and have a look around well he thought it was amazing and then yeah I bet he selected this beautiful um, wooden platter that had that got all paintings on it, hand-carved and painted, and it's got Fiji written on it. He was in love with this bowl, this yeah. little platter, so they brought it for the room. So I try to do some baskets of some cultural things as well as the wood, stainless steel, china. So I have a bit of a array of things. Yeah, and yeah. I just really love, like, the, the embroidered or... Um, tablecloths that have all been hand embroidered by somebody I just love those yeah like it was before they're actually getting harder and harder to find which is really scary to think that there's an era of people that once all of those things run out what is like if you look at like homes now where's this stuff gonna end up and what's its story you know yeah we're losing the crochet we're losing the doilies we're losing the wood um, which is really really sad for me Um, I think that's why I'm so passionate about sharing this with services because um, there's just so much you know love in these items yeah yeah most definitely and you're right that those those skills and those art form are dwindling we we teach our educators how to use felt and how to make felt from fleece and mm-hmm. how to stitch and sew and create their own resources. Like, I mean, I love the idea. I'm not overly fantastic at it, but definitely have enough skills to be able to create, you know, things within my service. Uh, I can knit, I can stitch one, pearl one, stitch one, pearl one. <laughs> I can't get my head around crocheting for some reason. My mum's tried to teach me to crochet. I'm just not a crocheter, uh, but I can carry on the knitting and the sewing and making felt. Uh, and, you, you know, these are dying arts because Absolutely. it's just not, it's not as valued. And the way mm-hmm. society is moving, we don't have time to do that anymore. It's mm. easier to just go to Kmart yes. and buy something that's been mass produced, but we've really got to look at that because where is it being produced? Right. Who is making it? Where are they getting their patterns and ideas from? Because I've seen it many times where Kmart has mass produced something that a smaller scaled um, person has created, you know, and they've taken that idea and they've tweaked it enough to get away with copyright laws and all the rest mm. of it. And, um, and and then they go and produce it on a mass scale. But it may be made somewhere where people are paid a pittance to, right. to produce it. So ethically, it's not really right. And, and yes. those stories of child labour and undervalued workers are attaching themselves to those resources and then the children they don't necessarily play with them with reverence and care and empathy and these things get broken and people don't care because it was only five bucks oh yeah exactly and that's a bit distressing because we're just perpetuating this whole consumerist um, way of being within within our early childhood settings and that will continue on 
if we and, don't. and unfortunately I think a lot of educators or just people in general think this stuff's not happening anymore yeah in the world like the child labor and being paid next to nothing for the items and that things are not ethically done yeah you know, it's happening <laughs> you oh. know um Working at TAFE, we have just opened a sustainable um, campus that's all based around sustainability from the build to the way we deliver. And that's been an eye-opener of learning about what actually is happening and going on in the world. So that has just reiterated to me that what I'm doing is actually really essential and important. Um, It's just trying to get services, I guess, to see the relevance and to see the importance of what I do Um, because it is much easier to go online to Kmart and just buy a whole big box of wooden bowls that all match and are all perfect. But like you're yes. saying, where's it from? Who's yeah. where's the money going? Like everything I buy is from local garage sales, op shops or anything, anywhere I can get things, even just family having to get rid of, you know, family members that have passed on. Um, yeah. I are more than happy for me to take it because it continues the life of something that was important to them. Yeah. Um, so you know, there. that's where that relevance of that comes from and that's why that is so important to me to share. Yeah. So all of the money of all the items I buy, it stays in our local community yeah. and then when services are buying from me, you know, the money I spend from there stays in our community. Yeah, so yeah. That and that's so local. important. It's, it's so important. Like we really need to be aware of where and what we are doing. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I drive down to Sydney. I could fly down, mm. but the, the 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 environmental impact of flying, I only fly when I really have to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will drive down. You know, it takes me a day to drive down there. I utilise that time and I'm just aware of just little things like that where yeah. we can make changes and differences in the way we operate and the way we move through the world. Mm. And this is so important to model to children too. And this is why I wanted to get you on and why I wanted to have you um, at our planning session. I mean, I've just done the Profitable FDC course and that is all around looking at how you can run your built your your business in an in an ethical way yes. in a way that doesn't cross boundaries and in fact causes you to have more boundaries and having a budget a resource budget you know like oh. mine was $300 a term and sometimes i would spend a little bit more and sometimes i would spend less but that included all of my cooking Um, Mm. because once I had my staple resources I didn't need to continue buying more I have the best resource right outside my window here in nature Mm -hmm. and and I was a mad op shopper I loved op shopping my favorite op shop was the big lifeline in the industrial complex Mm -hmm. on the Gold Coast here I can't remember what road it is now but it's in Mullandina yeah, Molandina, yeah. And yeah. that was my favourite place to go. And there was another little one down in Palm Beach that I used to frequent as well. Um, but, you know, it's 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 more about how you can provide items for children that have relevance and are authentic to them, mm. you know. And, and I just think we really need to move back towards that uh, yes. for, for a multitude of reasons, all of which we've covered here today. That's right. So if people want to follow you, because I know a lot of educators may not have the time to be able to get into the op shops and whatnot if they work five days a week. Which is another reason, yeah, why I've created this. It's like I'm bringing the op shop to you. (laughs) Yeah. It's It's all the hard work. (laughs) Yeah. So you're not only, you're not only just in person but people can visit you online too can't they and purchase yeah i do try to keep the un- online um up to date but it's really hard because the resources change so dramatically and so quickly because nothing's yeah. mass produced um i do try to um keep it up to date online but yeah. yes um i'm on facebook so bella vintage resources and also on instagram um yeah. so but love going out to services and doing the pop-up shops and the children coming out and making those decisions around the resources and just sharing stories and just engaging with the educators. That's something that I really love to do. Yeah. So what's your range of motion for your shop? Oh, well, I don't mind. I go sort of go anywhere really. Like I've been down the Wollombar, I've been to Toowoomba. So, you know, I go to Bean Lee. So I'm not... Yeah, if any educators are interested in um, hosting a pop-up shop, if they contact me, let me know where they're where they are. 
yeah um, you know I'm happy to try and negotiate something with them yeah I travel to Harvey Bay a lot um I have a property up there so yeah do move around quite a bit Okay. Yeah, great. Well, that gives, um, you know, our, our listeners uh, today or in the future uh, a bit of an idea, uh, but they can always get in touch with you via uh, your Facebook and your Instagram, which of course will be in the show notes so people can jump on and follow um, follow Katrina and her journeys and travels there. Um, and of course, when educators do, you do workshops too, you said as well. Yes, I've just started the Inquisitive Mind Workshop, which is the how and why of um, implementing the authentic and uh, repurposed open-ended resources. Yeah, I know you did one not so long ago for Northern Rivers Family Daycare and they absolutely loved it. Yeah, I got really amazing positive feedback. So that really motivates me when I get really good feedback from my workshops or pop-up shops and really spurs me on to continue what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, we we think it's brilliant and uh, we will forever champion other women who are in business and uh, creating positive change within our early childhood education settings. So thank you so much for joining us today, Katrina. It was really lovely to talk with you. And again, I'm so excited to hear that other educators have have very similar philosophies around lots of the same things that I talk about too so it's super exciting and I'm not surprised that we cross paths at all (laughs) yes thank you for inviting me I love sharing what I do and what I'm passionate about and you know speaking to like-minded educators it's really reminds you of why you are passionate about early childhood so yeah I really appreciate you inviting me It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. So uh, stick around, folks. We will have another episode for you next week as well on the Big Harder podcast. Who that will be, I cannot tell you because it's a surprise every Wednesday. (laughs) So we will uh, get this episode up as soon as we possibly can. And uh, if you want to give Katrina a follow, it is Bella Vintage Resources on all the socials. And uh, we look forward to seeing much more from her over the coming years. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Big love. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well we love feedback so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast we would love to read your thoughts you can leave us a review on apple podcast that helps our podcast to get out to the wider community and the more that hear what we have to share we think the better it is thanks so much friend we'll see you next time till then big love